0: two friends get together, and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 56, Super Brawl 1. Return from the rising sun.
1: That's uh, Japan, right?
0: Yeah, because they just came back from Japan, for, from the Super Show they had, and now they're back in St. Petersburg, Florida, where yeah, they had... And-
1: Why not land of the rising sun? Just the rising sun. It feels like they're they're just missing that that one word. But I mean, you know,
0: it's no big deal. Was WCW ever really known for their subtitles? Or I mean, they did call yeah the
1: names of the names of their shows. Like, is Halloween Havoc the best name outside of Starcade's not a good name. It's just like you know legendary at this point. It's just you know it's Starcade.
0: It's like yeah WrestleMania,
1: think... but it's not like WrestleMania is a great name for <laughs> for a, a big show,
0: like Summerslam. Halloween... Is a pretty good name. Halloween Havoc is probably their best one. Yeah, if like... not wrestle if not Wrestle War. Yeah, yeah. Wrestle especially Wars now, war. especially now that they have War Games at Wrestle War, it does make sense. Definitely. Super Brawl is the inaugural Super Brawl pay per view, just by the WCW, by the event took. On May 18th, nineteen ninety-one, at the Bayfront Arena in Saint Petersburg, Florida, which is basically Tampa, Florida, they're they're right there next to each other. The attendance of the show was six thousand people.
1: Oh man, that's no Tokyo Dome.
0: That's a a, a tenth cause uh, it was 60, Oh, it was 60, yeah, at yeah.
1: It's a, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's. I think that is that the biggest crowd like Ric Flair was ever in front of. You think sixty thousand people? Probably. I mean I guess like, I mean, maybe that... like probably maybe some like late WWF stuff. Like I'm sure in like oh you know, even the two thousands he probably like showed up at a WrestleMania, but you know, where there's like you know eight thousand people in like you know a big football arena, but he probably wasn't uh top of the card champion or anything. <laughs> he wasn't in his
0: prime. Other things that were happening around May nineteenth? What about Bob? Would be released the same weekend. What's your what's your uh,
1: Bill, Bill Murray? Murray? Yeah, what's your Bill Murray take? I know some people like think that he's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Uh,
0: I I am know. not one of those people.
1: Me neither. I do like Bill Murray, but I am not like in love with him. I Although do I do love the, I do like what about Bob quite a bit. It's a really good movie.
0: Actually, I didn't really care for the movie that much, but really? I think it was more because I just not a. Huge Bill per Murray person. Me. I can take Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two, and then I, I love like Caddyshack. Those
1: movies. Uh, I think Ghostbusters is kind of overrated, but it is great.
0: And honestly, I kind of really like
1: Ghostbusters. I like Ghostbusters Two a lot, and I know people shit on that one, but maybe it's just because it was on TV all the time when I was a kid.
0: I mean, I'm a big fan of Caddyshack. That's probably my favorite Bill Murray, and it's not really a Bill Murray movie. No, I agree with you. I as much as I have like
1: feelings for golf at all that movie is incredibly funny
0: also alan jackson would release his second album called don't rock the jukebox which would have five songs go top three on the country charts just a few days before were you a 90s country kid i was a 90s country kid i had this album and listened to it all the time yeah
1: i was not a 90s country person uh i lived in california when i was a kid but my parent which doesn't mean anything because like 90s country was huge all across across the, world. the country. yeah like my my cousin who was also from california was a few years older than me and she was really into horses and cowboy stuff she had like boots and the hat and the belt like there was just like a weird boom of uh country shit in the 90s i remember like a lot of, of like the really really big songs but like you know, there's plenty of other like hits that would elude me. It was also that time where every single really popular country song was also a really popular R&B song. Because like, they'd be like on the same label or whatever. And they're like, all right, well, you know, because they're just, you know, most of those guys aren't writing the songs they are from a big filing cabinet. It's like Arista where they hire people to write songs and you go through and pick ones out that will match your style or whatever. I always Think because you know I've lived here the majority of my life, Oklahoma. Maybe I should go go down a uh, '90s country thing. Like, okay, what are the great albums? Just out of curiosity.
0: I mean, this album. Out on anything? This album would definitely be one. Early Garth Brooks, obviously.
1: But yeah, I mean, I like Garth Brooks. I think he's also like the biggest. He definitely is.
0: There's some, but most country. By the end of the 90s ends up turning and it's basically like the pop's
1: like way too poppy
0: yeah like, it's pop yeah. music basically with a with a steel guitar. Yeah and the steel guitar is probably just a keyboard. <laughs> they gotta hire someone to play in the band right? <laughs> yeah well let's go ahead and head off to the show. We got Japanese and American flag logos with videos of participants from the evening before the logo for the show actually comes on the screen. And then we get Gary Michael Competta, who announces Brandi Brown to sing America the Beautiful.
1: I don't know who Brandi Brown is.
0: I could not find anything.
1: Oh, really? Her. Maybe she's just like a famous local. I don't know. She she didn't do a bad job.
0: You thought she didn't do a bad job? I thought she was not good at all. Oh, maybe I don't remember it well.
1: But I mean, we, like she, we liked Willie Nelson's performance. Uh, Willie
0: Nelson was great. Brandy <laughs> Brown was not good.
1: Okay. I would say I I might go back and and watch it, but I'm probably not going to do that. I don't need to hear America Be the Beautiful like, would more times in my
0: life. That's something that I would never suggest is going back and right. listening to someone singing America the Beautiful. Yeah, but while she's thing? singing, the transfer from the VHS wreaks havoc a couple times. So we know that this video that is on the network that we're watching it's is a cleaned up VHS tape. <laughs> We then go to Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes, who welcome us to the show, preview it a little bit before we head off to our first match.
1: And I am so glad just that Dusty is on the microphone. It's like WCW is always so dry, so it's just nice to have him here.
0: A little bit of that mm. Mm. Color, Got it. color commentary. So that first match is the fabulous Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes, Jimmy Jam Garvin, with Diamond Dallas Page and Big Daddy Deek versus the young pistols of Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers for the vacant WCW United States Tag Team Championship.
1: I love his, speaking of Garth Brooks, Diamond Dallas Page's headset microphone. Oh, yes. He's like cutting a promo while he's walking down with a bunch of ladies. It's pretty like, great.
0: Li- Like, literally, he kept talking, and I'm like, that's Diamond Dallas Page talking, but he doesn't have a (laughs) microphone in his hand, Yeah, and it wasn't until they got into the ring that I finally realized that he had one of those mics on.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's super of the time. I mean, Garth Brooks made it pretty famous, but I'm sure that, like, big arena bands and stuff used them as well, arena rock bands.
0: Preachers have been using them for a long time.
1: They call them internet preachers now, but uh, you're uh,
0: infomercial preachers? Exactly. So, JR lets us know that the Steiners had vacated those US belts so they could focus on the World Tag Team Championships, which they had won previously yeah. as well. And as we remember from last show, they're now also the IWGP Tag Team Champions as well. We almost so, had triple
1: belt Steiners.
0: I mean, they were for. I guess, a yeah, until,
1: until this, until it's vacated.
0: But the match gets going. Hayes does some strutting. P.S. then with a hip toss, turns around to gloat, giving Armstrong the chance for an inside cradle. Hayes, with a kick, tosses Steve to the floor, where the Freebirds double-team Irish whip him towards Dink, who misses a clothesline, so Armstrong turns and clotheslines Big Daddy, followed by a double clothesline of the Freebirds. Steve's running the ropes when Dink grabs his boot from the outside to trip him, allowing Hayes to get on the offense. Brad Armstrong runs down to the ring all of a sudden, chases after Big Daddy before jumping in the ring, saying, let's go, boys, three-on-three.
1: Mm-hmm. Three.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, it's for a belt. We can't do three-on-three. We three. can't
1: do a three-on-three, three. no. We don't have a uh, six-man six tag?
0: They have a the, the six-man tag, they, okay. but that's not what's on the line here. No, no. The ref then re- uh, ejects Big Daddy Dink from ringside, And Brad leaves as well, which I didn't see him eject Brad Armstrong, but he may have ejected him as well.
1: Yeah, I know that they both both left. I assume it was like, oh, well, Brad's not doing anything, but gotta be fair.
0: So once action gets going again, the Freebirds are double-teaming Smothers. When he escapes, Steve is about to come off the top rope, but the Freebirds back away, which gives Tracy a chance to clothesline Hayes out of the ring, followed by an Armstrong something the, something the, the camera misses it oh, so okay. i don't know exactly what it was
1: what is it redacted yeah.
0: <laughs> which knocks garvin out of the ring smothers then with a sliding kick to the outside but the free birds slow it down for a moment tracy with the blind tag before being tossed to the ropes and steve grabs garvin pushing him towards the ropes where smothers leapfrogs him armstrong oh, wow. tries for an Okada roll but Jimmy holds onto the ropes, so the Pistols double-team toss and hit a double-team drop kick on Garvin for a two-count. Hayes tags in, walks right over, it slaps Smothers, then tries to get the crowd on his side to no avail.
1: Yeah, I feel like that the crowd are getting more of a reaction as time goes on. I feel like at some point, they're just going to have to be faces.
0: Are you talking about the Freebirds? Yeah, the Freebirds. They're just, this crowd just doesn't react to anything in this show. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, 6,000 people that that don't really seem to care about wrestling. Tracy's running the ropes. P.S. with the leapfrog, Jimmy Jam pulls the ropes down to send Smothers over and to the floor. Hayes rolls out of the ring, tossing Tracy towards Garvin, who flapjacks Smothers across the guardrail. Tracy's back up to the apron, but a big boot from Jimmy Jan sends him flying into the guardrail again, followed by a hazed left jab out on the floor. Body slammed by Garvin as a Bad Street chant starts in a small section of the crowd.
1: See, like I said, they got a few fans.
0: So maybe maybe you're right, maybe they do need to turn face. P.S. with an Irish whip that is reversed, Smothers jumps up on the ropes for mounted punches, but P.S. goes for an atomic drop. But Tracy blocks, goes for a clothesline that Hayes ducks, and turns to hit a left jab. Garvin tosses Smothers to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Tracy to leapfrogging, turning to hit a karate kick, and leaps to his corner for the hot tag. Armstrong's in with a back body drop on Hayes, right hands on both freebirds, scoop slams on both, double team double noggin knocker by the pistols, and they go up to the top rope but both miss dropkicks on the Freebirds. Garvin tosses both pistols out of the ring, but Smothers makes his way to the top rope to hit a flying double clothesline on the Freebirds, followed by a double clothesline to send them to the floor. Hell yeah. Steve then comes off the top rope with a crossbody onto the Freebirds. Hayes is rolled back into the ring. Tracy picks up P.S., while Armstrong comes off the top rope with a flying elbow kind of like a doomsday device but with you know
1: an elbow i mean you know i guess road warriors aren't there to uh admonish them for uh using their move if they were to use a clothesline but you can't you can't be doing that even if they're not there plus slingshot like yeah gun. i don't like the last person i want to piss off is you know a hawk and or hawk animal. And <laughs> <animal>.
0: exactly <laughs> the pistol slingshot garvin back into the ring smothers picks him up but steve hits a missile drop kick this time but it sends Jimmy Jam into the ref. Ref ball. All of a sudden, someone in a bird costume comes off the top rope with a flying clothesline <laughs> on Tracy, a clothesline on Steve, a second rope DDT on both pistols, <laughs> and then runs off as Hayes makes the cover for the <laughs> pin and the and win.
1: The... And two. Oh. It's harder to be in sync uh, when we're not in the same room. But that was some high flying moves for uh, you know a man in a bird costume. <laughs> it's real funny to see the things that WCW attempts to do sometimes because they're like known to for having just you know good wrestling matches. And whenever they don't, whenever they try to add something like wacky or more WWF style, it's always like fucking worse than even when WWF does it.
0: Agreed completely. Yeah. JR tells us that the shirt on the bird person said Fantasia, so that's what they start calling him.
1: It's Fantasia, baby. (laughs) I mean, you know, whatever. Good match. I'm curious to see what happens with Fantasia. Are (laughs) you? I mean, out of morbid curiosity, yes. Yes.
0: So Fantasia, just so you know who Fantasia was. Well
1: I was curious. It, I always I like I make it a point not to look it up because it's more fun for me this way.
0: It was Brad Armstrong. Remember who okay. came down to help the yeah. pistols at the beginning of the match? Yes, his he went to the back and he becomes uh, like the free birds third.
1: Um, maybe he went to Oz and wished to be a bird, and his wish was granted.
0: Perhaps. <laughs> Maybe we'll meet the wizard later, too. <laughs> but we're headed off to our second match. Ricky Morton versus Dangerous Dan Spivey. Spivey's using his power early on, tossing Morton to the outside, but he comes right back in to throw hands. And this repeats itself multiple times.
1: Yeah, they Ricky... sound pretty stiff, though.
0: <laughs> they do. It <They laughs> sounds real stiff. stiff. Ricky tosses Danny to the ropes, ducks his head, so Spivey delivers a DDT and a clothesline for a two-count.
1: That's an early DDT.
0: Dangerous, Danny picks Morton up to hit a powerbomb, and Ricky's trying to fire up and is tossed to the ropes. Ducking a clothesline, it goes for a crossbody, but Spivey catches him and delivers a followaway slam and a leg drop for a two-count. Danny then, with body slam, goes from the ropes but Morton hits a Japanese arm drag and goes for an Irish whip that is reversed where Spivey charges in and Ricky moves out of the way, cradling dangerous Danny. Morton goes for a drop kick, but Spivey holds onto the ropes and goes for an elbow drop, but Ricky and starts to run the ropes and looks to attempt a DDT, but Danny's too tall. Spivey then hits a knee lift, hits a power bomb and covers him with one foot. For the pin and the win. Uh,
1: it's well documented that I have.
0: Uh, you are not strong, a negative guy.
1: opinions. Not a spyby guy, especially like I love Ricky Morton. I get it. I get it. They want like you know a big guy that can like wrestle, but that's like bad. I don't. I don't know if they actually know what they want. Never mind. <laughs> because, because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been getting kind of weird. I think it's only gonna get weirder. But Ricky Morton, in his in singles, I want him to do well. We love him.
0: I think we just need Robert and, Gibson to come back And the Rock and Roll Express, just do their thing.
1: I mean, I would prefer that too. But like, he's he doesn't look bad here. It just sucks that he gets fed to Dance Spivey. But I mean, you know, Dan Spivey has got like a hundred pounds on him.
0: And Spivey did just come off a U.S. title match, so, you know, he's a little bit higher up on the the old food chain.
1: Yeah, and he's gotten better in ring and stuff, and he's obviously, you know, physically impressive.
0: We then go to Tony Schiavone and Missy Hyatt, and they're on the rampway with the Z-Man. z he's been out for six weeks with a torn bicep, so he must have hurt himself in the Super Show. Oh, yeah, that's... That lines up about right where this is. Tony then congratulates Susan Moody of Harlan, Kentucky, and I was like, I bet she never leaves alive. <laughs> and Jesus. she won a grand. She won the grand prize for what? Yeah.
1: What was know. the grand prize? Yeah. I think I think they just like always talk about pri- like grand prizes in WC. One time, the lady got to walk down the ring with like
0: was the Burger King thing with Lex Oh, yeah, the Burger somebody. King with my family.
1: Yeah, but
0: it's weird. It's like, you WCW know, WCW runs all cereal podcasts, box, but they don't ever really tell us. So the fans have been voting on the wrestling hotline if Missy should go back into the dressing room once again. Oh. And 60% of the votes said yes. Who's so, say no? to, I mean, I definitely probably wouldn't. Shawnee then sends it to video from Wrestle War when Hyatt attempted to go to the dressing room before, and Stan Hansen just screamed at her and yelled at her to get out. <laughs> Drooled on her. And we come back to Tony laughing at it all over again, because I remember when we watched it, when it came back to him, he was laughing his ass off, and he's yeah. still doing it in this <laughs> video. And then she, Tony tells us that he she's going to try it again later that night. So Good we'll luck, find man, out if it's... exactly. So we head off to our third match, Wildfire Tommy Rich versus Nikita Koloff. And so we saw Nikita attack Lex a few episodes ago. But the last time we saw him in the ring was at Wrestle War 89 as a special guest referee, which was episode 30. And the last time as a competitor was Great American Bash 1988, which was episode 20. And he so recently
1: came back and cut that promo on one of the pay per views, right?
0: Yeah, that's when we, he Flex. Attacked attacked yeah. But he we haven't seen him as a competitor in quite some time. It's, Where where's he been? His wife got sick and um, so he left to basically go take care of her. So that's the reason why he's been gone for a long time. But we're glad he's back. I'm we'll very see how glad he does here. Back. So Rich is tossed to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and comes back with a crossbody for a two-count to get us started. An Irish whip by Koloff charges in, but Wildfire moves and goes for an inside cradle for another two-count. Shoulder blocks in the corner. The ref is trying to get Nikita out, and Rich uses the distraction to Irish whip Koloff and charges in after with an elbow to the head. Another Irish whip following in with a splash, But Nikita moves, so Wildfire goes face-first into the ring post. Posted. Koloff with a body slam, clubbing forearms across the back, more shoulder blocks in the corner, a snapmare, and an elbow drop for a two-count. Rich is firing back with an uppercut, ramming Nikita's head into the turnbuckle, mounted punches, and an Irish whip that is reversed. But Wildfire jumps up to the second rope, coming off with a crossbody that Koloff ducks. Nikita then hits the Russian sickle for the pin. pin. And and no (laughs) win.
1: Yeah, Nikita looks so mean. And his facials are all really great. And he comes coming out with chains. And I'm just really happy to have him back. And I kind of thought he was going to just like straight squash like Tommy Rich. And he didn't.
0: I mean, it wasn't a squash match, but it was a squash match
1: yeah i mean it was definitely there for nikita to uh win but it wasn't like you know i figured i thought i was like oh well this is gonna go two minutes and it didn't they're definitely building him you know now that he's back and this is like the first step
0: exactly but they didn't
1: they didn't build him. they didn't like you know they didn't completely job out tommy rich like goldberg style or anything no definitely not
0: Then go back to the rampway Tony is there with Johnny B. Bad and Teddy Long Hell yeah, Johnny B. Bad Johnny B. Bad A.K.A. Little Richard? Marrow (laughs) Comes out in pink tights With a purple boa Acting very flamboyant Like you said, Little Richard hairdo and mustache
1: Yeah, he definitely looks He he just, just looks like beefy Little Richard Exactly it's a. It's this is one of the when I was talking about how WCW like anytime they try to do something like wacky, it's just like too wacky and it doesn't work. This one uh
0: is their best attempt, I feel like, because it's like oh, like this, this may be is... <laughs> the best gimmick that Dusty comes up with over yeah. the entire course of him in the as the Booker.
1: I mean, like right off the bat, it's great. Like,
0: exactly.
1: You got like I mean the, he has got an amazing look. He's got. All... Energy and like you know, obviously,
0: Teddy Long fits like, perfectly,
1: yeah. And the you're gonna get like just people are gonna love it or hate it because it's you know the early 90s
0: and you have this big flamboyant, you know, it's like you know, Gorgeous George, exactly. So, Teddy tells us that they're gonna take out Ron Simmons, and PN News thinks he is a rap master but he's the godfather of soul.
1: We haven't even seen PN News yet. Exactly, we
0: have so not. I was like, who's that? Johnny then starts talking to PN News and says, you're nothing but a big old ugly bear. It's going to be a blessing to teach you a lesson. I'm so pretty, I should have been a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad man. I'm a bad, bad man.
1: That's so good. I love like Dusty talking about him. Because, I mean, you know, like you said, it was probably his idea. But, yeah, he's like, oh, he looks so pretty. It reminds me of myself just a little bit. <laughs> which is uh, pretty great. And J.R. calls uh, Teddy Long Bitty Einstein, which I thought was pretty <laughs> funny.
0: <laughs> so we're headed off to our fourth match. Dustin Rhodes versus the computerized man of the 1990s, Terrence, Terrence Taylor. Taylor. With Alexandria York and Mister Hughes.
1: By the way, it's the natural Dustin Rhodes. That is but
0: true. what's the deal with uh, Mister Hughes? Did you not recognize him? We just saw him last week. Oh, is he? It's Big Cat. It's Big Cat.
1: <laughs> uh, oh man, I didn't even—I did not recognize him. I was probably not paying—I wasn't paying that much attention to Mister Hughes. But I was. Where does this guy come from? Did, did we uh, really but,
0: ever you know. pay that close attention to Big Cat either?
1: No, I didn't. I don't hate you, big cat, but, you know, Mr. Hughes will definitely is kind of cool because he's a, b- a big guy in a hat and glasses. He looks menacing.
0: So the match gets going, and Taylor is stalling early on, continuously rolling out to <laughs> check the numbers with <laughs> Miss York. Uh, we uh, get Dustin
1: checks those numbers later in life.
0: hip toss by Terrence, Rhodes with a kick up into the chin, followed by an arm drag into an arm bar. Stalling and brawling is the name of the match between these two. Hip I mean toss- that's
1: the that's the York way.
0: <laughs> it feels like it. Hip toss by Dustin, goes for a bionic elbow, but Taylor goes for a crossbody at the same time, and Rhodes lands on top in a side headlock. Body slammed by Terrence, misses an elbow drop, so Dustin hits another arm drag into the armbar. Taylor goes for the vertical suplex, but Rhodes blocks and reverses for one of his own for a two count. Dustin's running the ropes, ducks a clothesline, leapfrogs a ducking Terrence, and comes back with a crossbody, but Taylor ducks that as well, so Rhodes flies out onto the rampway. Terrence guillotines Dustin on the top rope multiple times, bringing him back into the ring with a vertical suplex, a knee drop, a body slam, then he goes up to the second rope, coming off with a double axe handle, but Rhodes gets a boot up into the face. Dustin's firing away with right hands, back body drop, flying clothesline, inverted atomic drop, a bulldog.
1: bulldog. He's a good goes good. Bulldog's for, the thing.
0: He goes for the cover, but Miss York is up on the apron, distracting the ref. Mr. Hughes then climbs up onto the apron while Rhodes goes to argue with the ref, when Taylor comes from behind with a double axe handle. Dustin then goes to run the ropes, but Mr. Hughes grabs him, allowing Terrence to work Rhodes over. Hughes then puts a black glove on while Taylor grabs hold of Dustin, goes for the loaded punch, but Rhodes ducks, so Terrence takes the blow. (sighs) Dustin knocks Hughes off the apron, makes the cover on Taylor for the pin, and 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 the
1: win. win. Sir, your York match. It's also one of those things where it's like, oh, I wish that this was just a straight competition because I'd like to see these guys like really go at it.
0: They probably are two of the better wrestlers on this show and because of all the schmas and stuff.
1: It kind of takes away from that. It I mean, it's still, it takes still away from it. good and it's entertaining. I, sometimes I just want to see two guys fight.
0: So JR and Dusty preview the next match and they tell us that it was supposed to be Larry Zabisco but he hasn't fully recovered from a knee injury. So instead, we get for our fifth match, Black Bart versus Big Josh. With two bears. Yeah, Big Josh comes out with (laughs) live bears walking on their hind legs to the ring. He's in a lumberjack shirt and an axe handle. Not an axe.
1: Not an axe, just a handle. Just an axe
0: handle.
1: You know, for safety purposes. Except for, you know, there's two bears with him. So, like, safety is not that big of a deal, I guess. I like that JR, he was like, two live bears? That sounds like a rap group. (laughs) 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 And JR even, like, I mean, you know, he's not an old man here. But just him even knowing who Two Live Crew is is pretty funny. But, I mean, Two Live Crew was pretty controversial and all that. uh, Like, what was it? Nancy Reagan crap. Yeah. Or was it Tipper or was it Tipper Gore? I think it was Nancy Reagan. But all the yeah, parental advisory junk from the early nineties.
0: So we have seen both of these guys before. Black Bart, the last time we saw him, was Starcade nineteen eighty five. <laughs> all the so, way back in episode six. So that's fifty episodes ago. Jesus. Where was he at? I Archie's- guess he's just maybe
1: perhaps <laughs> on the indies in the, in, in, the, in the the territories like where where would there be a territory at this point
0: uh i mean i think mid-south maybe still oh, running yeah world-class memphis maybe there's something up in the northwest awa maybe who mm-hmm. knows and big josh we have seen him before as well all the way back at wrestlemania one which was episode three As Matt Bourne Can't say I remember that And if he fought Ricky Steamboat In that match At Wrestlemania 1 But this is not his most famous gimmick As he will soon turn into a clown
1: Oh yeah I was like Matt Bourne, I know that name As Doink Doink 1 or Doink 2
0: Doink 1 He's the original Doink so the match gets going. Bart goes for a hip toss, but is blocked and reversed by Josh for multiple hip tosses of his own, followed by the log roll. Mmm, how do you feel about the log roll? I thought it was pretty dumb. I think it's funny. <laughs> I like it. Explain the log roll.
1: Uh, you know, when typically old cartoons, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do it in real life. There's a log. It's floating in a river or a pond or a lake. And you stand on it, and uh, you basically run in place as the log spins. But Big Josh just kind of runs on your little belly
0: while you're on your back.
1: Little little stomps. Little stomps on you. I feel like that that would be like, man, this isn't fun. (laughs) Get off me. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's a spot that I'd really want to take. Not that I want to take any of them, but, like, I don't want to be stepped on it feels it feels almost more disrespectful than like i mean obviously you could really really hurt somebody but it feels like some mustache twirling like heel shit it's like
0: (laughs) you're dirt bart retaliates by slamming josh's head into the turnbuckle a thumb to the throat but big josh with massive chops and a straight left hand to knock black bart down josh then starts working on the arm when bart goes for a hip toss but Josh reverses into an arm drag to keep control. Black Bart again with head slams into turnbuckles, some chops, eye rakes, forearms to the back, and then Bart goes to run the ropes, but Josh with a single arm takedown multiple times, a flying forearm, and a butt splash for the pin and And the win.
1: Mine says ass press. (laughs) Whichever one you want to call it. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm.
0: We then go off to the danger zone.
1: Danger zone.
0: Paulie dangerously comes out in yuppie gear with a cowboy hat on. The only true cowboy in New York. The mic keeps cutting out, so he's like yelling at the production crew. Yeah. This entire time.
1: It's pretty. Like he does. He's Paul. Paul. He's he's Paulie. He does the best with it. Brings it into the act, and it's it's good.
0: He then introduces the only real Cowboy in WCW Stan the Lariat Hanson So didn't we just see a real Cowboy in Black Bart? All,
1: all dipped up I'd imagine
0: I'm sure he was <laughs> H- Hanson comes out And says if you were a real Cowboy You'd have to do some work And you've never done work A day in your life And then he takes Paulie's hat off and says That the Cowboy hat Meet in New York City. <laughs> New York City. I was totally expecting one of them to say, get a rope. <laughs> <At that point. laughs> uh, the, what is it, Pace Picante? Is, that,
1: is it those yeah. commercials? Yeah. yeah. Great commercials. Love those.
0: Stan then says, I showed up tonight, but no one came forward to wrestle me, and I want to fight somebody. And then he basically challenges the ropes. That's already had a match for the evening. But then police starts putting over Hanson, who fights for his family. He puts over Flair and Arn Anderson before the segment ends. It was kind of a dumb segment. It didn't yeah. really make any sense.
1: It's like it's, it didn't really have anywhere to go. It's like, oh, we didn't have Stan on the card, but we still want Stan out here. And like maybe they used got to pay set up bills. A, a match with him and Dustin, because Dustin's... Uh,
0: up and Maybe come. that was the
1: idea, but they didn't do a very a great job of it. If the idea was to like set up a challenge between him and Dustin Rhodes, it kind of fell made, flat. Yeah, yeah, definitely fell flat. But you know, Paulie was you know as good as he could have been with the material, I'd imagine.
0: So the real reason they had this segment is so they get set up the stage for the next match, for our sixth match, Oz with the Wizard. Versus mm. Tim Parker. Put it, did it so they could set up this
1: ridiculous castle. Exactly. I can't believe they spent this much money on this thing.
0: So the rampway starts having smoke billowing over it with a green strobe light. We get narration that says, Once upon a time, in a land <laughs> far away, there lived a wizard. But not the Wizard of Oz. His name was the Great Wizard. And he ruled the Kingdom of Oz.
1: The Great Wizard, baby.
0: People dressed up as Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion. As they come on the rampway along with another character. Who is the wizard that we just talked about. Holy shit. Holy shit. (laughs) Leading him from the ring to the stage. The narration continues. And now our weary travelers are at the end of their journey as they face the Emerald City. And then the wizard starts yelling, Welcome to Oz. Don't be <laughs> afraid. Welcome to Oz. Welcome to Oz.
1: This Welcome is to fucking, Oz. This is fucking rough. He says it probably twice as many times as you just did.
0: He spammed it worse than a Roman Reign super super punch. <laughs> super punch. Yeah pyro then hits and there is a person on the stage who speaks i am oz the great and powerful who are you as he's on a lazy susan that turns him around to face the other characters the great and powerful oz knows why you have come how dare you come to me i will show you who oz really is I will show the world who Oz really is. The characters then leave the stage other than the wizard, and the Oz and wizard make their way back to the ring. So this is like literally a five-minute entrance. And it's
1: horrendous. And you can they spent so much money. They thought it would be so cool. And you can tell the crowd doesn't give a fucking fuck about it. Matter of fact, I think they don't like it at all.
0: <laughs> no, they do not So the Grand Wizard has a monkey on his shoulder Oz oh, is in like Oh, fuck, I forgot about the monkey Oz is in like full
1: Dumbledore gear Yeah, but it's like bright green Or yeah. emerald green, obviously
0: Oz then takes his gear off His hat and the white beard comes off To show that it's Kevin ne- and I we can't have-
1: believe that he even wears the mask In the first place to take it off like that Wearing an old man mask And then taking an old man mask off is really lame. It would have been less lame if he was just, if he just wore a hat.
0: Well, the funnier part is that both the wizard and Oz's mask is the exact same mask.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. And Kevin, they, but Kevin still dyed his hair gray. Yeah, I think which so. Is
1: really weird. I was like, okay. I mean, it's kind of a, the gray hair is kind of a neat look. He could have just been like him with that mask. Necessary. I can understand the little, Little wizard with his monkey wearing the dumb mask, but like the wrestler to come in and take off an old person mask is just bizarre, and you couldn't have thought about it. if you thought about it twice, you would have never done that. And you had to th- think about it at least because you spent all that money on that big dumb castle.
0: So it's we incredible. haven't seen we haven't seen Kevin Nash since Clash of the Champions twelve, which was episode forty eight, and the wizard. Was none other than Kevin Sullivan, and we haven't seen him since Capital Combat, which was episode
1: forty-five. Kevin Sullivan's either like into Satan or fantasy, <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs>
1: like yeah, he's like either on some King Arthur shit or
0: or some or some Satan. So the bell rings. Oz hits a shoulder block, a body slam, takes Parker up for a helicopter slam. For the pin and the win. Yep. Mm-hmm. In 26 seconds.
1: Yeah. I feel like they took a lot away from me, the time-wise. But at least the first part was funny. And then once the wrestling started, I was even a Because <laughs> I was like, well, like, you know, there's no way this is going to work because nobody likes it. But the disaster was the intro was fun. Just that
0: it exists. So, the reason Nash was given this gimmick was because Ted Turner had just recently bought the right to air. Oh my God.
1: Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I was trying to figure out, I was like, would Dusty do this? Seems too stupid for anybody. Holy fuck. To air Wizard of Oz and felt this was a good way to promote the airings. need to promote the Wizard of Oz. It's a great movie. Everybody loves it. I love
1: it. I assume you love it. Like, you it's, it's on. You watch it's great, it. It's great. great. Yeah, it's incredible. Everybody, everybody, nobody's out here saying like, you know what's kind of overrated? Wizard of Oz. But like, uh, you don't need to promote there's, that. There's just some like early, some early cable. Well, those people are haters. Not they're not they have a good time. Some people just don't like to have a good time.
0: That's very true.
1: But With- uh, you know, this was a good time in the wrong way
0: exactly <laughs> this is one of those things that i just like i literally watched it and then i was like hey wife who's sitting next to me i was like she's not paying any attention i was like oh, yeah. i'm going to rewind this and i want you to watch this with me again <laughs> because i was just like this is so ridiculous Somebody else to
1: experience this great. yeah i mean i knew about like that kevin nash like did the oz thing at some point but I didn't realize that they like put this kind of money into it or whatever, and I didn't know exactly when it was, so like I wasn't ready for it when it showed up, but like I'd seen the picture mask. I didn't realize that it was as grandiose as it turned out to
0: <laughs> be. I know, right?
1: Ted Turner. You made plenty off that Wizard of Oz thing, but this definitely I didn't so. I hope so.
0: So Missy Hyatt's then in the back outside the locker room. She walks in, and Terrence Taylor is there. She asks him about his situation with Dustin Rhodes, but he answers rudely, not knowing why she's in the men's locker room. She then asks if Z-Man's in the shower, Taylor tells her to go look. So she starts heading off when, who else but Stan Hansen comes out and starts yelling at her once again, spanking her (laughs) to get her out of the locker room.
1: I mean, isn't it like the, like the rule, the joke rule is like three times, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, everything's funny in threes. So does that mean we have to see, this has to happen one more time? Because <laughs> Jesus.
0: I, it, it might. You can see it's it coming from a the...
1: mile away. It's like, uh, it's oh, not even yeah, that. Oh, totally. Anymore.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, Z
1: man.
0: <laughs> we go back out to JR and Dusty and they're laughing at the whole situation just as much as we are right now before we head off to our seventh match fly in Brian Pillman versus Barry Windham in a taped fist match.
1: Taped fist match. So you know that's like a boxing match, right? Basically.
0: So Wyndham's using his size advantage early on. Goes for a body slam, but Pillman floats over and starts to run the ropes. Barry with a leapfrog and goes for a hip toss, but Brian reverses into one of his own, followed by a flying shoulder block. We get lots of brawling between the two men until a body slammed by Wyndham, who goes up to the top rope, but Pillman is up to hit a drop kick to send Barry to the floor. Brian then comes flying off the top rope with a fist to the floor, and Wyndham tries to roll back in, but Pillman drags him back out. Where Barry pulls Fly and Bryant into the ring post, Posted. and both men are cut open.
1: Hell yeah! Have every gimmick match should have blood. Otherwise, I don't need a gimmick match. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're gonna do something stupid, like you know a a like strap match or match or whatever. At least if you're gonna do something that, stupid, at least give me some blood to make me like kind of care. So at least they did that nice and quick. It's Pillman and Barry Windham, so, you know, I would also prefer to see them have a wrestling match.
0: Back in the ring, Windham tosses Pillman out to the rampway, follows out to drop both of them off the ramp, slamming Brian's head onto the guardrail. It was a nasty-looking spot.
1: Yeah, Pillman's
0: the best. Pillman's punched back into the ring, tossed to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and comes back with a flying spinning heel kick to catch Barry. Flying Brian has his eyes raked, so Windham takes control with a head slam into a turnbuckle and a rubber band slam. The two men trade chops, but Barry, with a back suplex, starts to run the ropes, but they run into each other for a double KO. Double KO. Wyndham goes for the vertical suplex, but Pillman blocks and reverses into one of his own, goes to the top rope, when Barry gets up to low the superplex four pin and the win post match Windham continues the attack with a few more punches and kicks before Pillman can escape to the outside and to the back so then we're headed off to I think it's the diamond mine you say it may be the diamond exchange but you what said that me? was the faction I think the diamond exchange is the faction but who knows either way who knows if, who knows if we ever see this like who knows if we ever see this segment ever again. <laughs> DDP is our host. And like you said, he is trying hard to get good God over. And it just doesn't work. He's, I think that he's kind of fun here. I think he's, he's fun.
1: He's but. like super animated. The way he says good God should be like, feels like that it has the potential to be like a like a tagline or a catchphrase, like your dynamite. Cause he, the way he says good God is pretty incredible.
0: I think he, he he says it way too many times. That's the problem.
1: Yeah, but maybe he's just trying to he's spamming it now so that people remember it, and then next pay per view or event, people will start screaming it out whenever he shows up.
0: So there's some diamond dolls out there with him, and one of them is actually his wife, Kimberly Page.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, is she have a career in wrestling at all?
0: She Outside sticks around us. as like a manager. Okay. Uh, She's a Nitro girl. Okay, okay.
1: I gotcha.
0: I mean, it's not until like late 90s that they actually recognize that her and DDP are married, basically. Uh, DDP then sends it to a video of Sting and Luger, and it shows that they're all nervous and good friends, which I have no clue why he sent it out to them. That made no sense to me. (laughs) And then DDP brings out his newest addition to his diamond exchange the diamond stud aka scott hall and goddamn does that name
1: make sense here (laughs) he he is a big strapping man
0: so scott hall is a two-time wwe hall of famer individually and he will also be inducted as a member of the nwo this year
1: oh yeah did they not do it because of the COVID.
0: Yeah, Isn't it normally the same it.
1: weekend as WrestleMania?
0: Yes, they usually do it the same weekend as WrestleMania. They're going to hopefully do it at SummerSlam. Yeah, but hopefully. Who knows when that will happen.
1: Hopefully uh, right on time. So, you know, we can all get together and barbecue and drink light beer and hug each other. Dude stuff.
0: I would totally go <laughs> for a hug and a barbecue while watching SummerSlam right now. Yeah, I really would. So they say that they're looking for a studette. All across the country oh. they'll strip stud handle the hunk it's gonna be hunk hysteria
1: <laughs> Hunk hysteria is so bad that it's good
0: exactly
1: I love when like WCW does those like ribs but they also feel kind of like a little too thirsty for it to be a rib they're like oh no we're just trying to like you know get a reaction
0: so then we're off to our eighth match. We got Sid Vicious versus El Gigante in a stretcher match. Yep. So the loser must leave the ring on a stretcher. That's but what, what we're he... told the rules are. <laughs> but
1: what if he's not in enough pain to need the stretcher? What if he
0: just got pinned? What if he was just a roll-up? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so we know how big Sid Vicious is. Yeah. El Gigante makes Sid look small. Every single
1: like time he shows up, I'm like, oh, you know, I was happy for him in Japan because he was having a good time. But like, he's not taking to wrestling at all. No, They've no, been working no. with, they like, even obviously like took him off air for a long time and like trained him. But it's still not enough. But he's trying. He just doesn't have it, man. Not everybody can wrestle. But it is, it is crazy how fucking huge he is.
0: Vicious then with a shoulder block to start the match, but it doesn't phase the giant. They lock up, but El Gigante just tosses Sid off. Vicious rocks the giant with some right hands, but El Gigante reverses an Irish whip to hit a clothesline that sends Sid to the floor. Once back in the ring, Vicious with a low blow starts attacking the leg of the giant. Shoulder blocks in the corner, backs up to charge in. El Gigante gets a big boot up, locking on the claw for the pin and the win. So as we were saying before, yep. I thought the rules were that they had to leave on a stretcher. It was in the commercial break. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, what
1: commercial break? The I did I thought that it was pretty fun that El Gigante picked up the stretcher and was like just like picked it up and like walked to the ring and was like shaking it around at the beginning of the match (laughs) that was a fun little touch but you know this one's not this one's this is like the fat you would you would cut (laughs) in the like in the past like at the time like they're trying to make elegante um you know an attraction so putting him over like sid vicious is a good way to do that it just doesn't fucking work anyway
0: Here's the other thing about a stretcher match. Don't they have to actually be able to fit on the stretcher? (laughs) 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 stretcher.
1: Yeah, you'd have to get Big Josh out there to chop up El Gigante (laughs) into pieces just to fit him on there.
0: (laughs) So post-match, one-man gang and Kevin Sullivan come down to attack El Gigante. But the giant fights off the gang, double chokehold Sullivan... Clotheslines Gang to the rampway, body slamming him onto the stretcher.
1: That's Sullivan
0: why I was and... Exactly. <laughs> Sullivan then throws powder into the giant's eyes. One man gang picks up the stretcher, hitting El Gigante across the back with it. The giant finally wipes the powder out of his eyes, so Gang and Sullivan take off to the back.
1: I felt bad for El here. He uh that powder really got in into... his almost like almost closed shut. He got it pretty bad in one of those eyes. He was all shit. But uh, one man gang, the O M G himself.
0: So the last time we saw one man gang was obviously a as a team, the African Dream, at WrestleMania six, which was episode forty
1: four. I love that and the one the one man gangs. Finisher is the seven forty seven or whatever, which cause yeah. you know, it's an airplane, which is and then that uh, like when he's Akeem it's the same thing, but it's called Air Africa. <laughs> and exactly. I just I just like that a lot. I honestly I like are you a more of a OMG or an Akeem guy?
0: I mean so far we've seen more Akeem. And but we saw
1: some early
0: I, I, thought he, I thought he showed I thought he showed more personality as Akeem. Oh yeah, that he, dance than he ever did as one man game.
1: Yeah. yeah, you could so, loop I mean, that dance in a gif, and I would just use it all the time. I'd send it to my mom for no reason, unprovoked. Uh, but just like his his like little dance, yeah, you got it. It's good. I like Hakeem but it was also how did you get to save the name? I guess this is you know before everything was trademarked.
0: Yeah, WWF didn't trademark every name known to man as soon as they walked in the door.
1: Yeah, or or force them to change it. Yeah. Because, you know, they had Junkyard Dog, Lost Junkyard Dog, or, you know, pushed Junkyard Dog out. And I'm sure One Man Gang was probably called One Man Gang before he was in the WWF. Yeah, I'm sure he was. It's kind of a cool
0: name, honestly. So the reason, to kind of go back to the actual match of Sid Vicious and El Gigante, this would be Sid's last WCW match for a couple of years as he would head up north. I believe that. So, we'll see him very soon, just not in WCW. Yeah. We then head off to our ninth match, Butch Reed versus Ron Simmons in a Thunder Doom cage match. <laughs> oh, man. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, are we pulling the Thunderdome cage back out? Now I was kind of worried there for her. was
1: that the one from Halloween Havoc? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that match should have been so good, and it fucking sucked. Yes. I'm still. I still think about that match all the time. Anytime, like, go to the network and like go to the WCW shows, and I scroll down to watch whatever show we're on. I go past all these Halloween Havocs, and that I, I and I just immediately think. God, like, that match
0: could have been. It's, so much it's like
1: yeah, Sting, Flair, Muda, and uh, Terry Funk. Yeah, and Terry Funk. It's like that's a recipe for an incredible and it is just as jim Cornette would say flatter than piss on a plate or a plate full of piss
0: but i thought yeah. you were gonna go with what jr would have called a slobber knocker oh no
1: it's not a slobber knocker it should have been. been but yeah so yeah anytime I see the halloween havoc that's my first thought hopefully that'll change as we do this uh, show so, and I'll get some and I'll get some great uh, Halloween Havoc Matches, but the most memorable thing about Halloween Havoc right now is the match that should have been Barely exactly. the, the, the match that barely was
0: so we see Ted, Teddy long suspended in a cage high above the ring
1: which
0: is a regular steel cage.
1: Yeah, Teddy's in the shark the shark cage the
0: uh, JR's got Dusty even talking about football oh as he God, brings up Simmons' uh,
1: background. In the in the first match of this show, one of my notes is it's only six minutes in and JR's already talking about football. <laughs> but then yeah, but I, I didn't even bring it up. I was like, oh, I feel like I, I talk about this too much, but I mean, he talks about it too much. What am I supposed to do?
0: So both men end up coming out to the same theme music. They hadn't even gotten around to giving one of them knew music at, this at least point. they had deep songs <laughs> that's true the two men start brawling once the door is locked simmons hits an atomic drop and a clothesline reed is then tossed into the cage ron goes for a clothesline but butch ducks sending simmons into the cage shoulder first ron reverses an irish whip hits a back suplex and goes for an irish whip of his own charging into a knee from reed which comes off the second rope with an elbow drop, throws Simmons into the cage, ramming his head multiple times, using it as a cheese grater to bust him <laughs> open. Hell yeah. And hitting a snapmare. They know what doing.
1: We're in a cage. Someone, we gotta bleed. We gotta bleed early. We
0: gotta bleed a lot. Reed goes up to the second rope, comes off with a double axe handle. Ron then starts firing back, sitting to the ropes, and attempts a drop kick but Reed holds onto those ropes. Multiple falling fists chokes all to keep Butch in control, but again Simmons tosses Reed into the cage and starts firing away with educated hands. Butch finally breaks away by pulling Ron into the cage, hitting a rubber band slam, and face-planting him on the mat for a two-count. Reed lifts up Simmons for a pile driver for a near- Lawn dart of Ron into the cage. Butch locks on a headlock, using the ropes as leverage. The crowd starts chanting, Go Ron! Ron, Go! Go
1: Go Ron! Go! Yeah, hell yeah, Ron Simmons. I'm glad they're on the... I mean, he's obviously the face here.
0: Simmons fires up with elbows to the gut, tosses Reed to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Butch to hit a swinging neckbreaker. Reed goes up to the top rope, hits a flying shoulder block for the pin, and the, No! Ron gets his foot on the ropes. Butch goes for a splash, but Simmons gets his knees up and starts throwing right hands. A back body drop goes for an Irish whip where Reed reverses and hits a high knee. Ron's toss the ropes where both men hit clotheslines for a double KO.
1: Uh, you, gotta have, you gotta have a spot like that here.
0: All of a sudden we see Teddy Long toss something into the ring from his cage high above, but it lands in the middle of the two men. Simmons sees it first, goes to grab it, but re kicks him away, wraps the FO around his fist, and throws a roundhouse right. But Ron ducks and hits the spine buster for the yeah. pin and, and the, and the wind.
1: I will say that this foreign object looks like a bracelet from like the like a quarter machine where it's got the little like plastic eggs or whatever. And you know, it'll have like a little trinket in it or whatever, but the, the foreign object here just looks like a like a like a two dollar bracelet <laughs> wrapped around his hand. Pretty funny. But this match was great. It was not it didn't reach the the highest of highs, but it was super solid. I wish that it could have gotten like a little bit hotter, but like it was at the very least like good to good. For
0: The limitations that these two guys have. I mean, I
1: I hate when you put my limitations on my doom, but I I understand it.
0: We know that they're not. They're athletic, but
1: they're not wrestlers. But they're better than like. I like the. I like their. Their in-ring work is more entertaining than like Dan Spivey.
0: I mean, I can see that. I mean, they're more. They're a step above Dan Spivey, definitely they're just more likable
1: like you want to see these guys in the ring even if they're not you know to me they kind of feel like a like cooler cool guy version of like the road warriors it's like oh no these guys are just like fucking big cool dudes doing big cool dude stuff but they're not you know yelling or wearing makeup or whatever they're just they're just big badass bodyguards but they're athletic
0: not taking anything i don't think they're bad by any means no but they they're not going to be doing any they're all fist, no flips yeah to, yeah to quote a, a a good tag team tagline basically
1: yeah the the thing with these guys is like i think that like for the two of them who are not innately wrestlers they had Probably almost the best match, probably the best match they could have had against each other at this point in their life. But like either one of them working with like Arn Anderson, like it would be fucking incredible. But like they had to have this blow off match. And I think that they did the best they could with like their ability at the time. So like I think it was good. I just wanted it to be a little bit better. But I would still like I I I would never I would never tell somebody, oh, you don't have to watch that. I'd be like, oh, no, like this is good shit. Like this is good this is a good wrestling match. I'll go with you on that. There's there's no bullshit. The bullshit is like the bullshit that you want and need and it makes sense completely.
0: I enjoyed it. They had me they had me with the drama of the match. Yeah. I just would have obviously loved for it to be just a little bit better worked, but I know that with their limitations, yeah. this is this is probably the best that we're gonna get from these two guys. I mean,
1: I'd rather watch this ten times than ever see Braun Strowman wrestle again.
0: Too bad. <laughs> so we then go to JR and Dusty who preview the next match and send us to a video package highlights of Sting, Luger and the Steiners all with dramatic music. It's it's literally just a highlight video of all four guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It seriously is it's like, "Oh, here's them doing big slams to
0: other guys." Exactly. So then we're off to our 10th match, Sting and Lex Luger versus the Steiner brothers of Rick and Scott. For the WCW World Tag Team Championships. I mean, come on. Like, this could headline. It it could. (laughs) It's fucking,
1: like, on paper. Holy shit.
0: It's the four biggest faces in the company in the same match. Yeah. And it's one of those things, like...
1: And we're getting faces versus faces. Yeah. That blew my mind. It's like, holy shit. Like, the Steiners and Sting... As far as merch sales go, that's your highest shit. Mm -hmm. I've been watching uh, WCW and uh, if it's not a Sting shirt, it's a Steiner Brothers t-shirt. There's not a whole lot of Z-Man t-shirts, but I've seen a couple.
0: I'd buy a Z-Man t-shirt.
1: After some of the stuff I've watched recently, I'm thinking about getting me a Z-Man t-shirt because I am a fan of uh, Mr. Tom. As time goes on, I only like
0: him more, but we're not talking about Tom. We're talking about these and they all shake hands before the match starts lex and rick tie up to no one's advantage until luger hits an arm drag lex and rick ag- with more takedowns of each other but reversals keep no one in control lugers toss to the ropes rick goes for a flying shoulder block he bounces off of Lex. rick is then power slammed irish whipped luger charges in but steiner slips out of the way grabbing him for a release German suplex mm-hmm. and a Steiner line for a two count. You see the ref jump over them to get in the correct position to make yes. the count.
1: I think we've talked about this before, but I love a, like diving ref jump where it's just like, Oh, it's so good.
0: I think Wee Anderson's the
1: best at it. He, <laughs> this
0: is the ref in this match. He might,
1: he might be the reason that I, you know, that I love it so much. It's
0: I do true. love,
1: I do love that, uh, WCW always actually gives names to the refs and talks about them. That's something that I appreciate and
0: enjoy. because the refs aren't performers in WWF. They're just there. Yeah, it's bullshit.
1: But I just it's it it adds to it. It's like I,
0: I totally agree.
1: I mean, you know, red like your red shoes, your tiger Hattori, like they do like, you know, like these guys are legends you're bill alfonso who goes on to be like you know the kind of like i know bill alfonso from ecw exactly but seeing him here it's nice and you know your peewees and your uh heaveners like come on man the, the refs are extremely important and and if anything at this point in like wwf history they should be g- giving names to the refs because they're calling the match from a fucking headphone basically
0: eddie Oringos. ringos oh yeah rick with a back body drop irish whips lex but luger charges out with the clothesline lifting steiner for a military press and sting is in with a clothesline to take rick to the floor followed by a plancha to the floor back in the ring the stinger continues the attack with a bulldog but rick no-sells so sting with a running power slam into the turnbuckle goes for the stinger splash but steiner moves
1: Sting is, like, so hot here, and I love that Rick, he no-sells the Bulldog, which makes sense because he always, like, you know, does headbutts and shit. So, like, it just feeds into the character. It's the kind of thing that makes you, that, like, pays off if you watch wrestling consistently. Exactly. When people actually, you know, are doing, keeping true to the character.
0: Scott's in with a tiger driver, a -a tilt-a-whirl slam, Goes for an Irish whip, but Sting reverses and lifts Steiner for a flatjack on his way back. Luger, with the vertical suplex on Scott, Sting's back in, but Steiner hits an inverted atomic drop, putting him on the top rope for a super belly-to-belly soup for a near fall. Man, it's nice to have four
1: big guys like this, because they're so big and strong, you can do these big moves, and they can kick out and, like, you know, power on, like... Sting can belly to belly suplex yeah. you and then like you pop back up and like it's not it's not silly. You're just like adds to the tension.
0: Scott puts Sting on the rope again, goes for a clothesline, but the stinger falls off the ropes and Steiner's momentum takes him over the ropes right into the announce table. Back into the ring with a vertical suplex for a two count. Tosses Steiner to the ropes going for a power slam, but Scott floats over, hitting an urinagi. Lex reverses an Irish whip by Scott, hitting the power slam this time, and calls for the torture rack, but Steiner reverses it into a Russian leg sweep. Scott then makes a blind tag as Luger tosses him to the ropes, gets taken down with a back elbow, but then Rick comes off the top rope with a bulldog and an elbow drop for a two count. flying in with missile missile dropkick to send Rick face-first into a turnbuckle. Scott and Sting start arguing, which gives Rick time to make it back to his feet, and he hits the Stinger from behind. Rick and Lex then begin to brawl until Steiner is sent to the ropes, ducking and back elbow, ducked a clothesline, and then they bump into each other for a double KO.
1: Ooh.
0: Rick and Lex both make it to their corners for the...
1: Hot tag. tag. Double hot tag. Stereo hot tags.
0: Scott and Sting brawling. Stinger hits a side slam. Tosses Steiner to the ropes. Ducks his head, allowing Scott to hit a forearm across the back. Picking Sting up into a tombstone pile driver. But the Stinger reverses into a tombstone pile driver of his own. Mm. Sting goes for the cover, but Rick breaks it up which brings Lex into the ring to attack him, taking them and the ref out to the floor. In the ring, Sting Irish flips the sky to the corner hits the Stinger Splash, and all of a sudden we see the shadow of a man walking down the rampway as Luger has made his way onto the apron on the rampway. Sting sees the man, pulls Lex out of the way, but receives a fistful of chain for his troubles. And who could it be? It's Nikita Cola! <sighs> Hell yeah. He then runs off as Scott Sting for the pin and the win.
1: Oh man. This is WCW putting all their eggs in one basket.
0: All their all their best guys in one match.
1: Yeah, it's like all the like the most over guys in the match, faces versus faces, everybody shows up. Incredible looking match, and it sets up an angle that's actually interesting.
0: Well, I mean, we had we had Nikita attack Lex a couple shows ago. Yeah. So that sets that up a couple shows ago for that he's wanting to challenge for the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. And we continue that storyline by him going to attack Lex here. Yeah. But Sting makes the save for his friend. Uh huh. And then we go to Tony in the back. Tony grabs Nikita as he's walking past, and Koloff says, "Sting was in the wrong place at the wrong time." And then all of a sudden, Sting comes in from behind. The two men start brawling, and they keep brawling to the outside of the building until Nikita runs off. Sting takes a chair away from him. Yeah, the
1: brawl was kind of surprising that it like the camera followed it. And uh, I love that, like, as soon as Sting got, like, pinned or whatever, he just, like, ran, jumped out, and, like, jumped to the floor, to the back to, like, go find Nikita. It was good. Like, man. Like, this is the... It's crazy that something this good and, like, smart, intelligent, good wrestling, it's doing the things that wrestling needs to do. It gives everybody what they want. It saves the, saves the champions and starts a feud without taking anything away from the other two like big draws in the match and we also saw like Oz earlier it's like they spent all that money (laughs) on that and it's like oh well you didn't need to spend any money you just needed to pay the guys to go have to go do wrestling stuff to go do wrestling well and it's like oh well this was wrestling done well everything about there's nothing to complain about this if you complain about like the schmas, then you should watch more wrestling because that was. An intelligent way that to was do like it. An
0: intelligent way of doing it, exactly.
1: And a way where it's like, oh, we want to see that. Like, who doesn't want to see Sting versus
0: Nikita Koloff? I definitely do. So then we're headed off to our 11th match. Beautiful Bobby Eaton versus Arn Anderson for the WCW World Television Championship. So Arn has been champion for like a combined two years during his three reigns at this point of television was he just
1: not even was he just like beating people up on beating television. up uh, jobbers on television or like was he just not even there did people even know the title existed the title was kind of in
0: there it's just but basically he kept challenging tag team gold so this was the first time he had defended the title at a pay-per-view i mean and that's kind of why the uh, tv
1: title exists right To be defended on television.
0: The last time we saw the WCW Television Championship defended on a pay-per-view was Great American Bash 1989, which was episode 31, when Muda and Sting fought for it.
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense.
0: So it's been it's been almost two years since we've seen this title being defended on a pay-per-view. The match gets going, and Anderson immediately takes Bobby down into a side head that is reversed into a head scissors. And then this is repeated several times before Eaton just slaps double A. Oh, yes. Arn gains control with punches, raking of the eyes, an Irish whip that is reversed, so Anderson jumps up to the second rope, then jumps up and over a charging Bobby, and then charges into a knee from Eaton and then charges in again to a foot, which is then followed by a Bobby clothesline. After an Eaton armbar, Double A knocks Bobby to the floor, drags him back up to the apron to slam his head on the turnbuckle. Eaton retaliates with a right hand, sending Arn to the apron, climbs to the top rope. Anderson has recovered and press slams Bobby onto the rampway, attempts a pile driver, but Eaton reverses it into a back body drop. Double A's, uh, barges at Bobby, who's on the ropes, but Eaton's back body drops him back into the ring, climbs up to the top rope to hit a double axe handle for a two count. Bobby locks on a hammer lock. Arn escapes with a cheap shot and drags Eaton to Ram's leg on the ring post several times. Anderson continues to work on the leg, even using leverage at times, until Bobby kicks him off into the turnbuckle. Eaton's fighting back with a bunch of turnbuckle face-smashing using all the three pads in one corner.
1: Is this not the greatest spot?
0: (laughs) I was just like... Because usually we see them grab their heads, smash them one time into the top turnbuckle. This is like almost Looney Tunes,
1: but it's so good. It's not sold like Looney Tunes.
0: It may just be because it's Arn Anderson. No, like, yeah, Arn
1: Anderson might be the best seller of all time, which is something that... Because, like, he's... It's really weird because, like, sometimes he talks and it seems like he doesn't care, like in a promo, and sometimes he talks and it sounds like he does care. But his selling in the ring is always incredible. Bob Eaton grabbing his head, smashing it like three times into the first top turnbuckle, and then three times, and just it's I can't believe that I have not seen that more because it's just it's so simple but feels so like innovative. And it looks so violent at the same time. When if, like, Doink could do it, and it would be goofy. But here, it seems like legitimate contest. Like, people, it seems like that guy's trying to hurt that guy. And it's sold like that guy's trying to hurt that guy. And I love it.
0: Double A gets back in control with a shot to the knee. Bobby tries fighting back, but he's wobbly on his leg. So Arn locks on a leg bar, attempts a vertical suplex. Eaton blocks and reverses into one of his own. Unable to take advantage because of the leg, which Anderson jumps right back on. Bobby kicks him off, some good right hands. Double A resigns with a kick, a snapmare, and goes for the pump splash. But Eaton gets his knees up. Bobby tries for a clothesline, but Arn ducks and delivers a Spinebuster for a near fall.
1: I know, I could not believe the Spinebuster didn't put him over.
0: Anderson's up to the second rope with a double axe handle. But Eaton catches him in the gut on the way down, hits the swinging neckbreaker, body slam, goes to the top rope. All of a sudden, Barry Windham comes running down. But as he reaches ringside, Flying Brian is there to catch him and brawl with him, allowing Bob to hit the Alabama Jam for the pin and the, and the win. win. And new!
1: My god. If every match was 10 minutes and that good, then I would only watch wrestling. Yeah, I am so, so happy for Bobby Eaton. It was great.
0: He's very creative in the ring, and he's brought so much to the world of wrestling that I don't think people realize. Totally. All those guys.
1: But, like, Bobby Eaton, on a singles run, I was like, man, I know this isn't going to last long, but I hope at least get some good stuff out of it and this was incredible so I was like well I'm glad and then I didn't expect them to put the title on him because I know Bobby Eaton doesn't become fucking Ric Flair or Lex Luger or anything he's Bobby Eaton like he's not famous for being a singles wrestler but I was just so happy to see him do it do it incredibly well and then also like they're trying to push him and they put a belt on him and like Arn gave it over to him in incredible fashion by having a incredible match with him.
0: Agreed completely. I,
1: I mean, shit. Like, considering... Like, most people aren't going to be able to have a match that anybody cares about after, like, Sting, Lex, and the Steiners.
0: They made me care.
1: And yeah, but like, yeah, I was like, man, this is... Yeah, my god. I hope that we get... At least a couple more singles Bobby matches that are half this good.
0: Because I will settle
1: for half this good.
0: I hope so as well. We then go to the back. Tony is there outside the locker room of And Tony stops Hiro Matsuda as they leave the locker room to head to the ring. And Matsuda says, we're going to take that belt back to Japan where it belongs.
1: Meanwhile, in Japan, he has the belt. Isn't that the the thing?
0: Well, in Japan, Flair just stole the belt at the press conference. Yeah. In the U.S., I mean, you could say that him taking it back means that he's going to win it. So.
1: Yeah, I just like that, that line moved. works both ways. Yeah, I like that they took that finish and interpreted it in
0: different ways in different countries. So we're off to our twelfth match of Tatsumi the Dragon Fujinami versus Nature Boy Ric Flair for the NWA and WCW World Heavyweight Championships. We see a few Asian ladies come out dropping flowers on the stage before Fujinami walks out.
1: Cool song. He gets very tiny pyro. Little pyro.
0: Flair comes out on the stage where a maid, a butler, a chef, and a lady of the night are there before he walks down to ringside and i don't know if you realized but it, once again there was no Spotch zara thrustra
1: oh is that song that i keep talking about that we don't know what it is but it sounds
0: i found like it. the Star you sounded it. it sounds
1: worry. like doesn't it sound kind of like star this like star wars theme? it
0: does have a star wars esque bit at the very beginning of it i once it's... i listened to it i was like yes i see where you're saying
1: yeah it's kind of funny that it went from 2001 to star wars <laughs>
0: JR lets us know that there have been multiple title changes in this very arena that we're in and the tiger Hattori will be the inside ref mm-hmm. and Bill Afonso will be on the outside. So it's the opposite of what was in Japan.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's two refs is always good for a nice clean ending, right?
0: Oh <laughs> boy. To start us off, should, uh, Fujinami hits a shoulder block. Followed by some mat skills shown by both men. We get a chop fest by the two. Irish whip followed by a back body drop by Tusami. A drop toe hold, which is turned into a bow and arrow by Fujinami to work on the nature boy's back. Tatsumi has Natch's leg but is kicked off into the corner. But he comes right back to flip over into a jackknife pit attempt. But the momentum carries Flare on top for a two count. More chops shared. Fujinami turns Nature Boy over for a Boston Crab, who then turns it into an Indian Deathlock. Flair escapes with a vertical suplex, a thumb to the eye, tosses Tatsumi to the ropes, but then misses a back elbow. But then Fujinami hits a flying forearm on his way back. Natch rolls out to the apron, Tatsumi brings him back in with a vertical suplex, hitting multiple flying forearms to send Flair out to the floor. Brawling ensues until Nature Boy crushes Fujinami on the guardrail, tossing him back into the ring and begins to work the leg. A shin breaker locks on the figure four, but Tatsumi rolls it over so Natch releases the hold. Chop vest again, a double leg takedown by Fujinami and locks on the Scorpion deathlock, but Flare makes the ropes to cause the break. A back suplex, but for multiple two counts by Tatsumi. Nature Boy retaliates with one of his own, followed by a running knee drop. A side headlock takedown by Flair turned into a head scissors by Fujinami, which Natch reverses into a jackknife pen attempt. Tatsumi starts to bridge up, but his back is hurting, so he's not able to complete it, allowing Nature Boy to get up and stomp away. I really feel like this was a botch.
1: The bridge spot? Yeah. <laughs> because they
0: tried it too many times for it just not to be a botch.
1: Yeah, it's like,
0: oh, it's, yeah, it's like the it's like two or three times. Flair tosses Fujinami to the outside, where Tatsumi blocks and reverses a head slam into the guardrail to bust him open. Fujinami continues the head slams into the apron and another guardrail before rolling Natch back into the ring. Chops by Tatsumi before an Irish whip resulting in a flare flip, but he lands in the ring, more head slams into turnbuckles, more chops, a hip toss, but Nature Boy gets a boot up to stop the assault. Natch to the outside where he flare flops, climbs back to the apron, thumb to the eye, climbs to the top rope, but Fujinami press slams him off before locking on the octopus hold. We get some USA chance. USA. Uh, I'm just going to do it one time. And I feel like this is actually the problem with this match. Flair is the heel, usually.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, eye pokes and stuff.
0: Because foreigners are bad. Mm -hmm. Flair's kind of the face in this match, but he doesn't work a face-type style in this match.
1: Yeah, he's just still doing, he's still Ric Flair.
0: Nature Boy finally escapes, and the two men begin to brawl, which leads to another flare flop. Tatsumi's tossed to the ropes, but they run into each other to send them both outside the ring. Back in, Flair goes for a body slam, but his leg gives, and Fujinami falls on top for a near fall. Tatsumi's tossed to the ropes, Natch ducks his head, so Fujinami with an inside cradle for a two count. Punches, chops, Nature Boy's sent to the ropes with Tatsumi attempting an O'Connor roll. But Flair kicks him right off into the ref.
1: Ref bump. Tiger Hatori. Not just any.
0: Natch then grabs Fujinami by the tights, pulling him over for a small package. And Bill Alfonso jumps into the ring for the pin. And, the, and win. the win.
1: And I do like that there's immediately like a small group of people doing a bullshit chant. There's, there's some photos there's some out there. <laughs> Chanting bullshit. And I was like, oh that's cool, man. Some tape
0: traders. But this mean Ric Flair has unified the belts, making him new Oh I like,
1: wait, new? Didn't he Well he stole it? Is he remember, new in Japan? Remember?
0: Fujinami was technically the NWA champion.
1: Oh uh, no.
0: I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, at least yeah. in the
0: US, in the US, yeah, they were still champions. But in Japan, Fujinami was the NWA champion. So technically, yeah, technically they
1: a, yeah, they did a bad job of like telling that part of this story.
0: I mean, in the US, it basically was there was no title change and it wasn't hand new, <laughs> yeah. but we know better. Ah. Uh.
1: You know better, because I'm confused by the whole thing.
0: It was dumb. Don't get me wrong. It was no, dumb.
1: No. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm glad that we got we got the Jap- Japan show, and I'm glad that, uh, you know, we got another match with these two guys.
0: I mean, I think they just did the title, the title change, title change, to
1: yeah. so basically
0: so that they gave a reason for Fujinami coming over to the U.S. to fight. Basically. Yeah, I'm
1: sure that it was part of the deal. But, I mean, you know. The amount of money they like, they needed that Fuji and like New Japan to make that kind of money in Japan.
0: Exactly. Like, they're, man, they're not going to run that show at the Tokyo Dome with just WCW guys and get 64,000 people.
1: No way in hell. And then I'm sure that Fujinami was
0: like, came over here and like 6,000 people. <laughs> He's like, <"Pff>, nerds. <laughs> so JR and Dusty recap the match. And the evening say their goodbyes, and the credits roll.
1: Yeah. Oh, also, uh, Fuji's chest at the end of this match is... Beat the hell up. Looks like
0: ground beef. So, Michael Temple, what are your overall thoughts of Super Brawl 1? The lows
1: are low, but the highs are so, so very high.
0: That's kind of what <laughs> the only thoughts really about the show. Like, literally... <laughs> Most of this show is not good, but there are some definite high points, being two of the last three matches, like this, the the tag team match
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the Anderson Eaton oh yeah. match.
1: Those I are am probably in love the, those are that
0: the match. those are the definite high points. I'll even say that the Thunder Doom cage match was uh, at least great.
1: I like that too.
0: I think it was decent.
1: You just hate Doom. I, I get
0: it. I don't care for it. I, I don't know. Hate, I know. But I would definitely say there, there is nothing that you ha- absolutely have to watch on this show.
1: Oh, man. I would be like Sting Steiners. Watch shit out of that. Like, Eaton, Arn Anderson. I'd show that match to anybody. Even if they don't like wrestling. and be like, yo, this is great. Doom. The Doom, like, it's the Doom Cage match. I mean, maybe. I feel like that. Counts for something. And is this Fuji match better than the last Fuji match? Tell. I had a hard time being like, I don't know.
0: I don't think think so. I don't think so.
1: Both these guys are great, but they just really don't have the chemistry that we want from them.
0: I mean, I think it worked better in Japan just for the sheer fact that Flair was the heel and he could be the heel. Here in this match, he wasn't the heel. Because the crowd didn't want him to be the heel. Because we've been taught that foreigners are bad.
1: Yeah. Basically. It would have been nice if here Flair just did a different switched it up a little bit. And did a face thing. But I mean he's going to get the belt back. And then he's going to be going against like Sting or Luger or somebody. And then at that point he's going to have to be the heel again. So it's kind of you can't just face turn for this one thing. Unless you've already like planned for it.
0: Or they could have just gone the opposite way and just had Flare be, do the most despicable things.
1: Yeah, go like extra hard on the heel shit.
0: Yeah. To we make got a bullshit
1: just, chant at the end, so it worked I mean, for some people.
0: We're kind of giving it a bullshit call with us talking about it because we're just like, we we know what should have happened here. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that most of the show kind of was pretty good uh i would say that like you know the last half like the last four matches are pretty stacked and two of them
0: are incredible if you're gonna watch this show i would just watch the last hour and a half of the show basically from the thunder doom cage match on
1: yeah i agree like the thunder doom cage match on is pretty incredible like chunk of wrestling
0: Good. Where's the smart marks at? All
1: right. Fuck you.
0: I think it's time we smark it up. So what were some of your best moments of the show? For me,
1: outside of
0: the spectacle of Oz. (laughs) That's one of the things that I would probably show people over and over again. It's just that that opening just to be like, look how ridiculous this is. It's kind of like the...
1: Inverse of the Shockmaster, where that just like happened really fast and it was like terrible and hilarious. But this is like drawn out for entirely too long and also fucking terrible. Terribly (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Terribly Uh, awesome. And but like, yeah, Pillman and Wyndham was pretty good. The uh, The Bears walking
0: walking to the ring.
1: Yeah. Bears. But I mean, Bobby Eaton going over Arn Anderson is my favorite thing that happened on this show. And my favorite match of the show. I agree. That was
0: my favorite match on the show as well.
1: Honestly, one of my favorite matches in a while that I've watched, yeah, from doing this show, I feel like it's kind of up there for me. As far as singles matches go, we've had some great tag stuff recently, but and like we had that incredible like 89 with Flair, but it's just kind of been weird. We had we've had a lot of weird stuff in like the singles area. This was what I want out of singles matches, all the fucking time, and they just fucking did it in twelve minutes of like, with no fat. There's like no fat. It's just no. There's not good. It's good beginning to end.
0: How about anything disappointing on the show? We, we can uh, bring up. We can bring up that Oz is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we said, it's terribly awesome. Mm-hmm. Disappointments.
1: Spivey going over Morton, but you know I whatever.
0: Mean, I had this question. So, out of the first six matches, yes. what's the best match in the first six matches? Is it Dustin and Terrence Taylor?
1: Yeah, it's Dustin and Taylor. There's something about like the Freebirds and the Pistols, where like they're both incredible tag teams, and the Freebirds just keep getting better and better at like interacting with the crowd and getting a reaction and stuff. Being but, shitty Hill. Yeah, but like they, like them and the Pistols don't flow like I want them to. Like for some reason the pistols are great, but did they need Rock and Roll Express to have the match that we want? Or is because it doesn't seem like they've been able to do even like half that with anybody else, even though they're legitimately like great athletes.
0: I mean I just feel like Freebird's style is very slow every slow everything down, put a headlock on. Yeah. But I mean
1: I think that uh, like maybe the pistols are too fast and they're not they just can't slow down
0: with that that may like, be what it is. Like
1: they're not, they don't have the personalities and stuff. Maybe that match was not as good as I wanted it to be, but it was by no means terrible.
0: So, is Spivey and Morton the worst match or is Black Bart and Big Josh the worst match?
1: Uh, Black Bart and Big Josh because I don't care. Where's El Gigante? Oh, well, El Gigante only lasted two minutes and I don't care about either of them really. So, for me, it would be Spivey and Morton because I'm. I don't want to see Ricky Morton go down. I want Ricky Morton to, to like, you know, be able to. I want him to be doing, be going over like Bob Eaton. I want him to have another singles match with like somebody that's good.
0: But so one of the more disappointing things, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, but is definitely the main event of Fujinami and Flair. I mean, it's.
1: Better than a lot of these matches, but it's ultimately more disappointing because I don't care about what the fuck
0: big job. I mean, we expect more from a Flare Fujinami match. That's probably why it's disappointing. Yeah. I mean,
1: I haven't watched much Fujinami, but I'd like to see, you know, some of his, like, some of his matches that are, like, you know, equivalent or held in the same regard as your Flare Steamboats or Flare Funks. Yeah. Or- yeah. Or forty-five minute flare stings, so I like my expectations are like that high for these matches that they've had, and it doesn't quite get there.
0: No, it definitely does not.
1: And maybe Brick Flares, I don't know. It's you can't say that like he's tired, but I mean like it feels like he's almost taken some time off. Like he did that whole mask gimmick, which was a terrible waste of time. I can't even remember what the fucking thing was called at this point
0: black scorpion
1: oh jesus
0: yeah i mean i feel like there's some backstage stuff that's going on between yeah. flair and the company that i think is taking a toll on him as well so we, we might see more of that upcoming what was the best performer of the night for you
1: eaton or anderson you heard me talk about how much i love anderson selling
0: i mean you know that i'm a huge fan of art anderson double a yeah.
1: i've all i've I know that you're a huge but, Anderson fan, uh, and, I, and I'm getting – I'm I'm understanding over time because Anderson's never – like, this is kind of the – one of the only, like, singles Anderson matches. Like, they never I put really
0: – This is the first one that I think that we've seen. Yeah,
1: Really? Well, it's incredible. So, you know, I liked Anderson in a tag team but already, but this, like, won me over for sure, and now I'm like, okay, I understand – like it's been happening recently, where I'm like, oh man, Arn Anderson selling, and then here with him and Bobby Eaton is like, oh, this is magic. These guys should be going, you know, they could do 20 minutes plus, and I'd be excited. But they did all the excitement of a 20 minute match in like 11 minutes. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. that's the match of the night,
0: and that's oh, saying totally, a lot. It's the saying best a match.
1: lot considering that there was that Sting Lex Steiners was great.
0: I agree. I mean, but it was definitely the best
1: match of the night. And it was the feel good moment because Bobby got over.
0: I mean, I would have preferred Arn to keep the belt, but that's because I love Arn.
1: Yeah, I like him too. But the thing is, I feel like that Arn is—he doesn't need the belt to be. No, he feels he feels like one of the selfless wrestlers. He's like, all right, well, you know, if it makes sense, I guess I'm going over. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm staring at the lights tonight. Like, he doesn't seem like you know a fussy guy, and maybe that's why. Maybe it's either his hairline or him just being a chill dude. Because if it wasn't for if he was if he had a better hairline and wasn't such a chill dude, then I'd imagine his singles run would be a lot different.
0: How about most surprising of the night? I mean we I see this
1: Oz I was not de- for Oz
0: the debut of Oz mm-hmm. we get the debut of the diamond stud
1: yeah so literally the,
0: pretty- so literally we have the outsiders in back to back segments I on the yeah. show it's, it's, before it's we know the who before we even know who they are, those are probably the two most surprising things.
1: Yeah, of, yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. I, I And then for me, the other one was, I didn't think, I was, maybe it's because I really wanted it to happen, but I was just like, oh, like they're not putting Bobby Eaton over. And then when they did, I was, I was pumped. I was just happy for him back in 1991. <laughs> but yeah. I was like legitimately like, you know, joyed for somebody else's, you know, success. So that was cool.
0: And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish After their rivalry had ruled New Japan throughout 1975, Antonio Inoki would have a rematch with Tiger Jeet Singh at the Golden Riot Series in Tokyo, Japan on June 26th, 1975. Anoki would win back the NWF heavyweight championship to begin his second reign, and would hold onto the title for over 1,600 days. The NWF was considered a world title by those in Japan, but New Japan was ordered by the NWA to stop referring to it as such in 1976. But the title would continue to be the top title for New Japan for many years. Next week... Great American Bash 1991. We got that back-to-back WCW. That's right. After a big show like WrestleMania, WWF's got to take a got to take the summer off basically.
1: Yeah. The um it's kind of sometimes it's kind of fun to have back-to-back shows from the same company because you're like, "Oh yeah, you get an immediate you know if they actually follow through with storylines and stuff, you get some uh immediate payoff, but sometimes it's nice to, you know, to take a trip to the other side.
0: It's kind of nice to flip back back and forth a little bit to kind of get a yeah. from But Great American Bash ends up being a new start, kind of, for WCW. I mean,
1: yeah. Also, spoiler alert: my biggest surprise for uh, Great American Bash '91 is redacted. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you know, you know, and if you don't show up next week
0: we'll talk about it next week exactly <laughs> the music from this week's show is the theme from super brawl one and rick flair's new music was a wolf music archives classic called charge
1: yeah i it sounds like one half of a star
0: wars song if you like this show or any of our shows that you've listened to, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com. Or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistox. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.